Only 10 minutes late. That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. I'm going to talk a little louder today because I'm further away from the mic. I'm a quiet person. So, uh, speaking of microphone. Yes. We're only using one today. That is different. It is, it is decidedly different because we have a guest this time. Hey! And we no longer have a guest. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is our friend Darren. Plays D&D with us. He has been known. He has been known to DM a game. He has been known to play in a game. The two major parts of D and D. Yes. DMing and playing. Actually, the what's the third biggest part? Uh, being an opinionated asshole, which you are great at, by the way. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> and that's entirely what uh, what we do on this. So it is. That is. Uh, if you are watching the live stream, you'll notice that our layout is also quite a bit different because we have three people, and uh, we're, we're we're testing out our new lights. Yeah. As well. I'm sure it looks fine. It definitely looks less orange. Which is, which, I mean... That's always a good thing. Yeah. Less orange is usually a I good mean, thing. usually we just have the one light that's above the table when we're doing this thing. That light is still in the room. It's still in the room. We didn't turn okay. it on. Did not turn it on. It's not going to be, it's not going to be turned on. Uh, it failed. It's, we failed our turn on light check. Our turn on light saving throw? Yes. <laughs> but sometimes those object interactions just don't want to work with you. Object interactions can be a bit of a hassle from time to time. I mean, 90% of the time when I'm playing a game, I don't remember that I have an object interaction, and I don't use it. Yeah. I mean, I would... It's very rare when it comes up the need to in the first place. Agreed. I would argue that drinking a potion should be an object interaction and not an action, but I can see how that could be a little much. I mean, if you wanted to, like, increase the amount of, like healing and damage that was done in combat, you mm-hmm. could always make that your, your object interaction. Because obviously, if you have to consume a spell slot and or action bonus action to yeah. do healing, it kind of it kind of like, you know, slows what you can do on a turn. Yeah. And definitely like um you would probably have to change up like the pricing scheme for health potions and all that. I think the best homework thing that I've seen relatively recently for healing potions was definitely that it's a bonus action to use normally, but if you take it as an action to use the potion, you automatically get the maximum amount from that healing potion. That's fair. I've also seen uh, there's like a magic item that makes you get like a bandolier of healing potions, and then you can use your object interaction with those because they're at the ready, quick access kind of a thing. I played a game with those. Yeah, we might we might need to make our own version of that. That's an f- idea. In a free magic item pack, Doty. Take that down. Speaking of Doty, yes, uh, our, our our beloved Jester, yes, the other the other being of the house, named after a critical role character, yes, um, she's been put away. Mm-hmm. She's being she's being a little bit too feisty, even for us. Just saying something. Yeah, Could. she's been hyperactive this week. Yeah, and attacking everything, particularly in the last like thirty minutes. She was just running around like a mad woman uh, when you left prior before you came, you know, yeah. the second time. Yeah, yeah. So, it do be like that from time to time. Sometimes. It do be like that. Yeah. So, Darren, what's up, what's up with you? Give us, give us a lowdown on who you are. Why, why, should, why should the viewers at home give a shit? They shouldn't. Oh, that's fair. That, yeah, I mean, checks out entirely. I am Sam's drinking buddy. That's true. Yeah. And then... Learned we both played D&D, and then went from there, and that's about all I got. That's, that's really all you need. Yeah. yeah. Fair. I mean, we do have the shared trauma of dating the same woman. Uh, not the same time. 
Oh yeah, my gosh. that was a thing. Oh my gosh, one of my best friends from college, we shared the trauma of dating the same woman not at the same time. <laughs> he still blames me for not warning him. I do. Yeah. yeah. You really should have given me a heads up on that one. I mean, would you have listened to me? Probably not, but you should have at least said it so you could hold that over me. That is valid. Fair. That is very valid. Well. Yeah. Stuff to get into today. Yeah, well, first of all, welcome to the Dungeon Bros Podcast. This oh, is yeah. episode 11. Got some unearthed arcana we're going to be talking about later. We got a new book announcement and some other bits and bobs. If you like this, you should you should rate us on your podcast service of choice, preferably five stars. And leave us a review. Yeah, a good one. Yeah, not if, bad. If, if you would rate us three or less, don't bother. Ooh, three or less. Before it three was, I believe, four or less. Four or less. Don't even bother. Don't even bother until you like us more. Um, if you don't like the audio today, sorry, we're trying something new. You know, this might be fine. This might be better. Who knows? Oh, if it's better, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Because we, we spent money on microphones. And I mean, we've got, we've got other uses for them coming up. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. That is true. I, I don't think when we have full four players, one DM that just one mic will work. That for sure will Minimum work. three at that point. One That's... for DM, two for each player. That that is exactly Two per, yeah. That, that is literally the plan we have in place specifically. specifically. Now you can also follow us on the Twitters. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. We got some YouTube videos coming. You can te- you can catch a breakdown of all of our free D and D homebrew that we put up on Drive Through RPG. We like to do a video for those now. Yeah. Uh, you can you probably know us from TikTok, where almost sixteen thousand of you follow us now. It's Ever expanding. Ever expanding. We had another video hit a million. Yeah, that was unexpected. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the guy who was like, hey, if you go to the gym five days a week, you can look great by Got June. It. I know which one we're talking about. And we said, why do that when you could, pl- if you had time to go to the gym five days a week, you might as well just play D&D five days a week. I think Obviously. we can all just quit our jobs. Why not do both? Yeah, just For, quit our jobs. There were so many people that, were, that said that. <laughs> why can't I do both? Because fuck you, that's one. <laughs> well, that's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you enjoy the podcast, you can catch it live on the TikTok. Uh, right usually, now. You, right now, as we record it. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we sometimes put a live event. Sometimes not. We did it this week. We did it this week. And we, we gave you several days of notice, which is more than we like ever do, really. Three-ish days, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, let's get into the meat of the news now. We will start... With item number one, top item. There's a new D&D book. New D&D book coming we got, out. We've got Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. It's going to be coming out on June 21st of 2020. So pretty soon, a couple months. Uh, you're going to be traveling the mists of the ethereal plane to find the Radiant Citadel. You're going to travel across the multiverse and ba- basically it's just a whole bunch of adventures. <laughs> yeah. We've uh, seen this before. But this one is uh, boasting all POC writers. That, yeah, time. that is true. Um, as a as 50 POC writers are working on this book and support the book in some capacity, uh, as reported by Sci-Fi Wire. Yeah, you can also find it on dnd.wizards.com. And a number of other number articles of. or sources. Oh, yeah, yeah. Polygon. Oh, Polygon. Oh, Polygon. Not a fan of Polygon. We've, we've talked about this before. Anyway, uh, this, uh, this book's going to have 13 new standalone adventures that'll take... Well, it won't take characters from Love is One. It, it spans it's, 1 to 14. Yeah, I was going to say. It's They're weird. standalone. They're standalone. 
introduces the Radiant Citadel, a new location in the Ethereal Plane. Each adventure is going to be set in an existing D&D campaign setting or on worlds of your own design. You can put this anywhere. Introduces 11 new D&D monsters. Going to come out forty nine ninety five, Kind of standard for your D&D book pricing. Mm-hmm. Darren, you going to run any of these? Possibly. I mean, I think that's one of my favorite things with a lot of the books that add things into different planes is that whether it's in a homebrew world or if you're taking it from an existing one, you can throw it in there and no one can really say, oh, well, that belongs here. You can't have it. It's another plane of existence. Mm-hmm. It's how many of these are fluid, especially with one that's such as the ethereal plane. Oh, yeah. It's the entire point is that entire plane is a fluid plane that changes based on thought. So, yeah. Uh, Sam and I had have had a somewhat similar idea in the past. We didn't end up going through with it. We instead decided to do TikTok and podcasting and YouTube video making and homebrew making for online instead. A good decision, I might add. Hmm. But we, we had plans originally to create like a Facebook group of all of the friends that we have that play D&D and kind of make a... We're playing D&D on this day. The first five people to respond are the ones who are playing in it. And just kind of like a drop-in, drop-out sort of D&D loose adventure where uh, a book like this or like, what is it, Tales of the Yawning Portal, for example. The one-shot type books. Candlekeep Mysteries that just have a bunch of standalone adventures that you can run in short bursts. I don't know if we'll pick it up. We, We might. I mean, so we've had to, we played our buddy Salem, ran, for the three of us, ran a one-shot uh, from Candlekeep Mysteries, and that mm-hmm. was very enjoyable. It was very a good time. Um, it, it was something. But as, as it's looking right now, this sort of book, they're probably going to put out one on gear, considering they put out Yawning Portal a couple years ago. Last year was Candlekeep, and now we have uh, this one coming up. Yeah, I think this is great for first-time DMs or newer DMs. It lets you jump in and out at any level. Uh, you don't have to worry about a long overarching through line. It teaches you kind of how to read a D&D adventure book in general. Good shit. Good shit. Good shit. Good shit. We may add it to the repertoire. If you guys want us to buy it when it comes out and discuss it on the podcast, please let us know in the comments section on the YouTube video. You can tweet at us or join our Discord. Join our Discord server and let us know there. The Discord growing at a rapid pace. We're up to over like 30 at this point. Pretty good. Big shit. Big shit. Big shits. Something I'm good at. Next. Critical Role. We like Critical Role. We are fans. We are fans of Wait, Critical Wait, since when? When did that start? Oh, just don't look at that Tadori campaign guide. Or, or, or the Tadori Reborn. Or the Wild Mount. Or the Critical Role art book. Yeah. Don't look at any of that. Or Ukatoa. Or the Mighty Nine uh, Munchkin. Or the comics. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or the call, or the call of the Nether Deep that's <laughs> right in front of us, <laughs> displayed. You know, that makes sense. Fair enough. Anyway, Red Nose Day. Red Nose Day. And the Critical Role Foundation yet again are going to be having Stephen Colbert on for a little D and D one shot. This time, oh, well, we should we should probably start with Red Nose Day is a special fundraiser to help eradicate childhood poverty. Incredibly important right now. Mm-hmm. The world's fucked up. People are dying in Ukraine. It's fucked up. World's fucked up place. People are dying everywhere. People are dying everywhere, but, you know. Anyway. They've done this before. It was a little one-on-one campaign with Matt Mercer and Stephen Colbert. People that donated were able to contribute what was going to happen in that little one-on-one adventure. This time, they... Here's, here, I'm just gonna give you, we're just going to give you the whole breakdown here. 
So they've carefully crafted a handful of options that they think are going to be very memorable and unique for Steven and the cast. They're going to have people playing with him this time. Uh, you can donate and help choose what is going to happen in that adventure. If you're familiar with him, uh, ooh, what kind of familiar is he going to have with him on his adventure? What kind of special magic item might you give him uh, or a special one-time use spell, for example? Polling options that garner the most donations will be incorporated into the one-shot, which will air on the Critical Role Twitch channel on Thursday, April 28th at 7 p.m. Pacific. Most importantly, your donation will go to support Red Nose Day's very important mission to help children living below the poverty line. I believe last time it was he was playing a bard with a bumblebee companion. Yes, the bumblebee. died. Yeah, that was... uh, Yeah, that was sad. Spoilers. It came out more than six months. I was going to say, it was was 2022, so that was three years ago. I think we can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Polling is going to be open starting from right now all the way until April 1st at 6 p.m. Pacific. And no, it is not an April Fool's joke, as they say. Will will, Will this episode be out by April 1st? I think, like, right before. I think. We know how to look at a calendar. I think. Uh, oh, here we go. Choose well, Your Own Adventure Airshot will air on Critical Role's Twitch channel on April 28th at 7 p.m. This this episode of the podcast, will it be out by April 1st? Oh. No. <laughs> I think it comes out. Oh, wait. How does time work? How, it's a weird soup. Time is a April really weird soup. April 1st would be six days. April 1st is Friday. So if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out or the day after, or... The day after that, you can still you still have time to go donate to the Red Nose Foundation through Critical Role and help impact what's going to go on. So if you're live, go donate now. If you're not, what are you doing? Good luck. Hopefully you're listening to this soon. I know that they're having some of the cast on as well to make it more of a proper one-shot instead of a one-on-one. Uh, but, uh, well, Critical Role didn't put that in their press release. So that's where we are. Well, uh, the last one shot that the, that he did with Matt was really really fun, and you could tell that he was like really into it and kind of going back to his days as a, a youth. You can watch his face light up the minute the world starts getting dis- getting described. It's it's wonderful awesome. to watch. He Stephen Colbert, notoriously big fan of J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings universe, Middle Earth, if you will. It's kind of one of his main character traits, I would say. <laughs> and uh, we, as we all know, the overlap between Lord of the Rings and D&D is almost a circle. It's a good man. Pretty close. Yeah. He, he, also, he also knew how to play it up. Like, he, wa- he wasn't just like, a, ooh, I don't know how to play D&D. I'm just going to be kind of chill and normal. Oh, like he that. rolled with the blows the whole time. He rolled, he rolled with the punches. He got wild and weird and just... Good stuff. It's wet and wacky, wild fun. Wet and wacky and wild and fun, indeed. Item three, Sam. Item three, uh, rolling right off of uh, the charity fundraiser with uh, Critical Red Roll and Red Nose Day. Uh, this one uh, coming from nworld.org. Um, Modifius launches Roll vs. Evil Project to help fight real-world evils. Um, Roll vs. Evil is a non-profit created by Modifius's Chris and Rita Birch, and is uh, to help the gabled yeah the 
tabletop community. The tabletop gaming community helped fight real-world evils with medical aid, humanitarian support, education, and more. Um, their first campaign is going to be uh, supporting those infected affected by the invasion of Ukraine. Yes. Uh, March 25th, which is the day we are recording this. It'll be last week by the time you're watching this. Roll20 is streaming a charity event to celebrate the launch. Uh, there's a whole lot of companies involved. Mantic Games, Steve Jackson Games, Gamma, Cubicle 7, Roll20, UK Games Expo, etc., and so on. A lot of very popular gaming companies that are contributing to this. Um, and uh, on March 26th, so tomorrow... Um, if you are watching live. If you are watching live tomorrow, at the time of recording, tomorrow... Uh, all you need to uh, you can also donate. All you need to do is just play a game online or in person, and basically have some somebody collect money. Um, they suggest throwing a few dollars to re-roll a dice or draw another card. Mm-hmm. It's up to you. Keep it simple and fun. Um, but there is a link that goes uh, to a just giving page um, that you will be able to looks like continuously donate on. Wow. That's actually a really cool idea of getting the tabletop streaming community together and linking it in with this to be like, hey, you guys should run an adventure or a one-shot where, oh, fuck, I rolled a two. And you just kind of wait for the audience, and they're like, no, give them help. Kind of similar to what was the one that Critical Role did. Every natural one... With $100 that donated to... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, they donated to... It's Travis's favorite. Uh, yeah, it's that. It's the military one. Yeah. Mm. We are really bad at this. Mm-hmm. Memory mm. is hard. But yeah, every time they would roll a natural one, I believe it was $100. It was for like two or three years continuously. OSD. Operation OSD. Supply Drop. Operation That's Supply it. Drop. That is right. Yeah, yeah, every natural one that they rolled, money was donated. And I think this is a much smaller way of doing that, which, to be fair... Nobody, nobody really is critical role, except critical role, yeah. in that scale. So it it makes sense. I enjoy it. I like that idea. More interactivity between the audience and the players themselves. I'm sure that's a lot to manage as a DM. Though. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But look, we know that nerds, uh, and we say nerds lovingly as we are them. Yeah. If we were insulting, we'd call you dweebs. Um. But lots of nerds have lots of money. And... I don't think that's the word I use. <laughs> Fucking nerds? Better. Yeah, fair. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> uh, the next one. This is, comes from dnd.wizards.com. Uh, and this is the expanding Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons in Brazil. Um, as of last week, so March 14th, uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that they are going to publish Dungeons & Dragons in Brazil in Portuguese. Their native language. Mm -hmm. Starting in the second half of 2022, they're going to start with the core rulebooks, Player's Handbook, DMG, Monster Manual, and some of the supplemental stuff, like the Essentials Kit and the Starter Kit. Uh, Yeah, this is, as quoted, this announcement is extremely important for the Brazilian D&D community, which has been following Dungeons & Dragons for decades um, Rinaldo Barbella, head of L-A-T-A-M from Wizards of the Coast. I don't know what that organization is. Does Latin it say... Ah, oh, that's, just, that's just an abbreviation for Latin America? Yeah. We need to abbreviate that? We need to abbreviate everything. Look around. 
I mean, we literally are a D&D podcast. Yeah, it is an abbreviation. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can't get mad at abbreviations. Hey, do you have me a PHB right now? How about a DMG? No. Maybe, no, a, maybe an MM? No one uses an that. MM? No one uses MM. <laughs> at, least not, at least not verbally. Type no, they maybe. use a Bard's Black Book. A Bard's Black Book, he says. You're welcome. By the way, I have to go. That's the end of what I get to say here today. Congratulations to the Brazilian people. I am. I'm. We are sorry. But Darren has said things. Yes, you're welcome. And Sam, you can handle this last one because I don't want to. Uh, so Darren. Yes. Uh, announced for uh, pre-order in Q3 of this year. Uh, Renegade Game Studios, which is uh, Hasbro. Hasbro, and they have licensed games like Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Power Rangers tabletop RPG, are now going to put out the My Little Pony tabletop roleplay game. I mean, hey, as long as it's chaos, that's all that really matters. Uh, the My Little Pony role-playing game will... Uh, players can craft their own custom pony character and use the storytelling game of friendship and magic as they combat various threats and other problems in Equestria and beyond throughout the adventures. Can you still cast Fireball? I don't know. There's only one situation where I'm okay with this, and that is a parent or an adult running this game for a bunch of young women or girls. That's a bit sexist. I'm not a big fan. Well, whatever. Younger people. I'm not a big fan of the Bronies. Personally. What about the Pega sisters? The... The... Uh, the, uh, the the what? Pegasisters. That's what the females are called. You broke. You broke. You just like broke my fucking. <laughs> You've never heard of language them? center before. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're, uh, no. That's they're... Here's the thing. I'm not gonna have a nice thing to say, so I'm just not going to. I'm more okay with that. Anyway, this book is. Uh, this, the book will be full color, hardcover book with satin ribbon bookmark, and is advertised for ages 13 and up, which. I mean, I'll say what? coming with the hold bookmark on, is whoa, whoa, whoa. great because none of the others do, really. Yeah, that's true. Oh, hold on. And that's actually useful because I forget pages every damn time I DM. It's made for people 13 and up? That's what it says. Isn't the My Little Pony target demographic like 8 to 12? Uh-huh. Feels like they're just missing the target demographic there. That's all I'm going to say. Um, it's just, it's... If we have to Google the demographic, I don't think it matters. I mean, obviously, apparently the demographic is like 30 to 45-year-old men as well, but... I mean, whoever you... watches it. It's like saying I can't go back and watch, like, I'm not saying you... The Last Airbender. I'm not saying you can't. That's a child show. I'm not saying you can't. I can't go watch SpongeBob again? I'm not, I'm just, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying the people that discover it later in life and weren't exposed to it as children and loved it as children and grew up with it, it's a little bit strange. Bit strange. That's all I'm saying. If I watched Blues Clues today, I wouldn't give a shit about Blues Clues. It'd be a bit weird as a twenty-something-year-old man that I, that I'm watching Blues Clues for the first time, thinking like, "Wow, this is like the best thing ever." Look, I'm not here to yuck anybody's young. Remember the time Critical Role did a uh, My Little Pony one shot? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't talk about that one. Right. I like to forget. Sounds that like one. you're targeting. But yeah, so if uh, you're a fan of My Little Pony, this is going to be a, um, it's a 300-page book. Um, 
Damn, that's good. That's a good size. It is a it is a full on uh, it is a full on system of its own. So, is it a D twenty system? I do not know. It does not say. Uh, scroll back up. Uh, GM's green at a dice bag. So I'm guessing it's probably a D twenty system. Good chance. Yeah. All right. Even if it worked as a D six system. Oh, sorry. It uses the Renegades in house system Essence twenty. So oh, a D twenty system. D20 system. So okay. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, yeah, in Q two or uh, Q three, it'll be available for pre order. You gonna pre order it, Darren? I might, just to piss you off. I don't care. Oh, I don't care what you do. <laughs> well, then it'll get thrown away. <laughs> and if you throw away my book, you're paying me, and I'm buying another copy. I'm donating. I'm donating it to Saint Vincent de Paul. You're still paying for it. No. Well, possession. Possession. Cat. Property law. Property law. Possession. I'll take your cat. She wouldn't go quietly. Mine <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't really her strategy, so yeah. I was gonna say she's not. Like... She's not a fan of vehicles. She would. She would fight you for to not yeah, get a vehicle. <laughs> well, that's that's what we have in the news. Those are those are the five news items for today. Number six. Number six is what we're talking about. This, this is the main topic of discussion today. There's new unearthed arcana, which, by the way. You guys care that I call it unearthed instead yes. of unearthed? I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum. Yes. Unearthed Arcana from 2022. I think this is one of the few. One, I think this is the first one of the year. I believe so. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Because we would have talked about the. Uh, they've, had, they've had. Some, they've had the spell survey. They had spell survey. And they had survey. the feet survey, but they haven't had a proper UA yet. Of course, cool. they have put out quite a few books. So they probably are trying to... Not That's fair. That's fair. I think they've pretty much culminated all the ones over the last couple of years into books at this point. Most, most of the content, for yeah. sure. Most, if not all of it. Um, a little, they haven't cut. They, have, they, still haven't, they still haven't published any of the like uh, ships and water combat stuff that they did forever ago. That's true. Which is a shame. Uh, wasn't Salem talking about the, how they just put them into one of the books? Because he was talking about Salt Marsh. Yeah. Oh, they put it in Saltmarsh. Yeah, because he's going. He said he was going to bring it for me to check out next time, since reasons. Yeah. yeah. I think we both needed to check that out. Yeah. Anyway, the unearthed arcana is the heroes of Kryn. Guys, I don't. I, I, Sam, adding to the Dungeon Bros podcast lore yes. here a little bit, I feel like one of us might be a D and D oracle. Okay. Of some sort. One of us might be. We totally predicted a Dragonlance setting for one of the unannounced books. Well, I mean, we had some evidence. It was an educated guess. It was a, it was a, it was an educated guess, but I mean, this is decidedly for a Dragonlance setting book. They they have not officially said that, but the Kender Dragonlance, Lunar Magic Dragonlance, the backgrounds and feats reference things in Dragonlance, like. Yeah. This is for a Dragonlance book. Very exciting. Uh, starting off, they kind of they double down again on the new way of character creation for uh, ability score increases, uh, floating plus two and plus one or three plus ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they get into the Kender, now the Kender was a little bit contentious. I love it. The, it is. I I like I like this iteration of the Kender. Um, people didn't like the previous version because they just kind of made it seem like ooh a, a little a little elf gobliny boy just wants to be a kleptomaniac and steal things. 
Correct. Whereas this is just sort of like a, a fey magic sort of trickstery. I make things come out of my pockets. This is almost like it kind of reminds me of like a cartoon character almost. Oh like, yeah, hundred percent. Do you have anything to help this? I have a sword. No. Do you have anything? <laughs> Where did I get a sickle? Why was this in my pocket? It's any simple <laughs> weapon you are proficient with. Oh yeah, we'll so. get we'll get to that. It's got three core features. Obviously, it's humanoid, small, walking speed of thirty feet. Glad to see that the small creatures aren't getting twenty five feet anymore. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's annoying and Major. arbitrary. Annoying and arbitrary. Uh, brave that you get immediately. You have advantage on saving throws to avoid or end the frightened condition on yourself. Uh, you in natively you also get taunt. Just basically as a bonus action, you can throw a bunch of insults at someone, and they have to succeed a wisdom saving throw that's based off of your uh, charisma modifier, or they have disadvantage on attack rolls until the start of your next turn, which is useful. Uh, you can use the number of times equal to your proficiency. You regain all when you finish a long rest. The big one, though, is Kender Ace. You get it at third level. You have the ability to pull an item out of a bag or any other container as a bonus action. You reach into the container and you roll on a random uh, table and it lasts for one hour and it kind of shimmers a little bit. Uh, you, can use a, you can use this a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. Get it all back on a long rest. It's a D6 table. You have five D6 gold pieces on a one, a simple weapon of your choice that has the light property from two, an item of your choice from the adventuring gear table in the player's handbook. Cannot cost more than a gold and weigh no more than one pound on a three. Uh, one random item from the trinkets table in the player's handbook on a four. Uh, your choice of a crowbar or a grappling hook on a five. <laughs> that could be... That could go multiple directions. <laughs> and one item of your choice from the tools table in the player's handbook. The item can cost no more than ten gold pieces on a six. No, officer, there's nothing in my pocket. Pulls out a crowbar. <laughs> or I don't know how this got here. <laughs> I, li- I like the incorporation of the trinkets table from uh, from the player's handbook. That's always a good time. Yeah, I was going to say, that table doesn't get too much use outside of like, all right, roll when you create a character, and now you have this thing. Yeah. It's there. It's You're probably not going to do anything with it. I'm a big fan of large D100 tables of just random shit that means nothing, okay. but could mean something later. I was going to say, I think the only thing that currently uses it is the Phantom class. Uh, that Salem oh, yeah. Oh, the, the Phantom subclass for the Rogue? Yes. I yes. believe that is the only one that currently actually uses trinkets as a mechanic at this point. Yeah. So I'm glad that they threw that on there because it just adds that random, oh, I have been collecting things over time. What do I randomly have now? Okay, I have a doll's head in my pocket for some reason. <laughs> that's but, funny. I mean, I think that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, like, right, because we found the one in the library. So that was actually, I pulled that, he, uh, uh, I pulled that one from Ravenloft. Because there's also a there's also a creepy or like a creepy object in Ravenloft, <laughs> even um, better. And nice. since that Salem's whole aesthetic in that campaign and most campaigns is spoopy. spoopy, 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 and then in my game, just what's the most chaotic random object I can go purchase at yeah. this moment in time? Yeah. yeah. Any I need a bag to hold rats and let them be alive inside it. <sighs> I don't. The whole rat, the whole trying to create his own swarm of rats thing is just. Oh, it's gonna move forward. 
One way or another. He's getting I'm a flesh. And he's getting a flesh golem, man. Well, no, he's got it's a clay golem. Clay, sorry. Clay with bones. He tried to make it a rat golem, and I said no. <laughs> That's very reasonable. Very reasonable. No. Uh, any comments from the TikTok about about the Kender? Well, the, uh, typical Gemini asks, "What do we think about the Kender?" So yeah, what are what are your impressions of the Kender? Fun. I think Kender Aces is cool. Taunt is a great way to utilize a bonus action for some sort of benefit. Being able, be, being more resistant to the frightened condition, always a good time. Um, Kender Ace, I feel like, isn't going to be too useful, other than like, all right, let's I think just it'll see. Be great for role play purposes, specifically for, for sure. if you're playing a. Either high or very very high or very low charisma character. Mm-hmm. It's like, how would you feel about? I'm gonna roll and see if I pull out a weapon or if I pull out gold, and if I'm gonna try and bribe this guy or threaten. <laughs> I like, or the, if I pull out a doll head and see how they react to that. Or, I, I like the idea of when you are about to enter a shop, you just reach in, you're like, am I gonna pull out gold? Cool, and then you try and spend it before it disappears in an hour. Yeah. I, or am I gonna rob the place? Oh, there's a dagger. Okay, guess we're robbing the place now. I mean, to be fair, you could pull out the dagger and be like, "Oh," and then put it away, and then try again. <laughs> I, I think that uh, this is actually, like you said, the Kender Ace is a little fun, and I think that with the way that Wizards is going with the having, you know, the the ability scores being floating and uh, other things like moving away from the alignment chart and moving away from necessarily like a lifespan um, yeah. set. Like having a reason to play each different ancestry is going to be like these these cool little low-level features. Yeah. And I think that uh, that this is definitely like the ace. You're less worried about, oh, I'm playing variant human because I want to start with my feet and more toward, okay, thematically, what's the coolest thing I could have start with this and start with this set of abilities? Exactly. Exactly. Moving on, we have the only subclass that is in this is the Lunar Magic Sorcerer. Now, Darren. Yes. You've admitted that you don't listen to the podcast. Yes. So you're unfamiliar with the Dungeon Bros podcast lore surrounding the moon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. The Moon is an employee of ours. Yes. It handles a lot of customer service. Kind of slow to respond to a lot of emails and Not calls. Not very tech-savvy. Tech Not very tech-savvy at all. Really, really just kind of drags their feet. Some you know, from account. Yeah. T- it takes like a two-and-a-half-hour lunch. Yeah. You know. You guys are all welcome, but I'm just saying, some of these features might be a little, little slow on the uptake, is all I'm going to say about that. We're, le- we're 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 letting we're letting him do some freelance work on his own on the side. It's probably going to impact your customer service with the Dungeon Bros podcast. Mm-hmm. I apologize, but I but this is but this is really kind of the give and take that we have to have for cool yeah. things like this. Yeah, if you want lunar magic, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to accept <laughs> the same sacrifice we accept. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, the idea is uh, the lunar magic is sort of derived from uh, the on Kryn, God's magic associated with the world's three moons. It's a whole thing. We'll get into the features. Well, there, there's like a there's a small D4 table for how that the lunar magic will manifest on you, and which they include in 
uh, yeah. all newer publications which have a sorcerer subclass and other subclasses. Yeah. Uh, first off, on uh, for the sorcerer, you take your subclass at level one, mm-hmm. and there's two first level features. The first one, Moonfire. Basically, you learn Sacred Flame. It doesn't count against the number of cantrips that you know, and when you cast it, you can target one creature as normal or target two creatures that are within range that are within five feet of each other. So just a slight buff to Sacred Flame. Which is a very interesting thing to do for it, honestly. The the idea... The lore of, of Sacred Flame being a radiant thing has always kind of loosely been tied away. Sacred Flame is kind of a bad name for it, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely has always had that flavor more in the line of, like, your moonbeam, your daylight, sort of your, like, astral bodies of celestial lights of sorts. Uh, the other first level feature is Lunar Embodiment. You learn additional spells when you reach certain levels. Uh, they do not count. They count as sorcerer spells for you, but not against the number of sorcerer spells that you know. And the list that you get, you can change out on a long rest. Uh, there's the Full Moon spells, which are Fairy Fire, Moonbeam, Death Ward, Freedom of Movement, and Mass Cure Wounds. The New Moon spells are Dissonant Whispers, Darkness, Bestow Curse, Avard's Black Tentacles, and Mislead. And the Crescent Moon spells are Sanctuary, Blindness, Deafness, Phantom Steed, Hallucinatory Terrain, and Dream. You get those spells at Sorcerer Level 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9. You also get to cast the spells associated with that phase that you have selected. Um... So the spells on the list can be cast once without expending a spell slot, and to cast them again in this way, uh, you have to finish a long rest. So that's like five free spell casts a day at level nine. Yeah. That is is a lot. lot. That's a lot. That adds up quick. I mean, yeah, we've got some feats, which I'm not these feats on, but uh, things like Fey Touched and Shadow Touched, which do allow you two free uh, casts of spells, but those are... Uh, set spells. Set spells. Second level, one second level for each, and one first level that yeah. you get to choose for each. Um, but yeah, jumping up to you know fifth. You know. I mean, getting a free death ward or moonbeam a day—that's big. That's a lot. That's... A free, a free Avard's black tentacles or bestow curse. I like that. I like the new moon list a lot. The crescent moon list, I feel like, is the one that's a bit more situational. Uh, blindness, deafness is good. Like, Hallucinatory Terrain, fine. Dream, fine. Hallucinatory Terrain is one of those spells that you have to plan out long before you're going to use it. But if you do use it right, it's going to be wonderful. For sure. I definitely think that the Full Moon list and the New Moon list are the stars of the show here. Mm. And then Crescent Moon if you have, like, some weird plans in the coming day. The next level is uh, level 6. There are two more features. Lunar Boons... Uh, the lunar phases influence your metamagic. Each lunar phase is associated with spells from the following schools of magic. Full moon is abjuration and conjuration. New moon is evocation and necromancy. Crescent moon is divination and transmutation. Whenever you use metamagic on a spell from the lunar spells table or a spell of the school of magic associated with the lunar phase you are in, you can reduce the sorcery points spent to one by one. Minimum zero. You can't gain back sorcery points. No. You can re- you can reduce the sorcery points spent for your Mender Magic a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So... I mean, twin or Quicken spell with that, you just get it free. Now, so far, at level 6, you have three spells that you can cast once for free. 
per day. You now have, what would it be? Three, basically three extra sorcery points. Yeah. yeah. Effectively. And at level six, you get waxing and waning. And as a bonus action, you can spend a sorcery point to change your lunar phase as well. It's not entirely clear whether if you, like, say you were in the full moon phase and you cast Fairy Fire for free, and then you swap to New Moon if you were allowed to cast Dissonant Whispers for free. I would probably say no. I think it's that level across the board automatically counts as that's the level that you used. So I'd say you could probably use Fairy Fire and then change over to New Moon and use Darkness, yeah. but you would not be able to use Dissonant Whispers. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I would roll it too, but the rules are kind of vague on that. Definitely DM discretion. It's also playtest. Could change. Oh, yeah. Very fair. But by level, by level six, this is a powerful sorcerer. Yeah. All things considered. Very versatile. You get a bunch of free spells per day that you can cast without using a spell slot. You can reduce the amount of sorcery points you're using. You can change which list of spells you're getting in the middle of the day now at any point as a bonus action, which can then in turn change the kinds of spells that you can reduce your sorcery point costs on. It's... That would be, I'm planning for my next round, use this spell, change over, okay, next round, I'm good to go. I yes. have everything I'm set, Now all my prep work done. Now this does feel a little bit heavy on the sorcery point usage, but the fact that you are able to cast several spells without using a spell slot is going to make it easier for you to just change a spell slot into a sorcery points. For sure. Next, level 14, Lunar Empowerment. Whenever you choose a lunar phase to affect your magic, you also gain the following benefits associated with that phase. For the full moon, you shed, you shed bright light in a 10-foot radius and dim light for an additional 10 feet. In addition, you and creatures of your choice have advantage on saving throws while being within the bright light. So you have a 10-foot radius of bright light that everyone gets advantage on saving throws, including yourself. New moon. You have advantage on dexterity stealth checks. In addition, while you are in dim light or darkness, attack rolls have disadvantage against you. And then with the Crescent Moon, you gain resistance to necrotic and radiant damage. That's where I think Crescent Moon starts to shine. Because yeah. automatic resistances always carry. Now, having and the Paladin, very popular for his aura, or her aura, for their auras. Yeah. I feel like the aura ability, as well as some of the aura spells, are also quite good. And I was say, the full moon ability is similar to if you handed a paladin a holy avenger, because it gives everything in that ten foot radius advantage on saving throws. That's what yeah. the holy avenger does for the group. And this isn't even this isn't even advantage on saving throws against spells or this against is just a, saving this throws. is period saving throws. That is traps. That is spells, obviously. That is, that is features that monsters might have that are not spells. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. Obviously, level 14, you're getting up there. Yeah, so I think, it, I think it's not out of the realm of what is... Reasonability. Yeah. We're, we're not in the realm of being overpowered at this point. Yeah. But that is a really, really good feature. I mean, getting advantage on stealth checks is nice, and having disadvantage on attacks against you in darkness is nice. Resistance to necrotic and radiant damage. I could see going into the Underdark in the new moon phase, just so you have that advantage, and then as soon as you're under attack by either Drow, Duragar, anything like that, Mm -hmm. suddenly, full moon phase with your bonus action, all of them are now in bright light they all have disadvantage anyway exactly it doesn't matter this is a this that is a very good point 
I think the new moon phase would be a little bit better if it kind of had a pass without a trace feel on it and made it, or similar to the full moon, kind of made it a radius around you. Yeah. Of people that were going to get advantage on stealth, so you could kind of huddle together and move as a group. I mean, you got it. It kind of feels, uh, so obviously one of the ideas of taking behind, behind taking a sorcerer is the ability to be flexible with your casting. So adding these features kind of makes it feel like you're shifting a little bit into, like you said, full moon for a paladin class, new moon for a roguey almost, roguelike class. Crescent Moon, maybe for something just in the middle where it's like... It's, we don't have a rogue in the party. Okay, I'll go New Moon and scout out ahead of us. Yeah. It's, we don't have a good way of having this aura ability, or the saving throw bonus. Okay, I'll go Full Moon for this. Mm-hmm. If you're going into a direct combat with something that you know what kind of damage it's going to throw at you, Crescent Moon. Angels maybe you can... Demons. Yeah. So you have that necrotic and radiant resistance. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and by the time you're level 14, you've got a lot of sorcery points that, you, that you can, especially since you can you're still dumping spells and throwing them back in. You're dumping spells, you're getting spells for free, so you're not using as many spell slots. You can still reduce your sorcery point usage at that point. What four or five times a day? Uh, I believe that four times at that point. Four times a day. Four, yeah, that's that's four additional sorcery points effectively on top of all of that. It it's good shit. The final, the final feature of this Sorcerer subclass, level 18, Lunar Phenomenon. As a bonus action, you can tap into a special power of the Lunar Phase that you are currently in. Alternatively, as part of the bonus action you take, you can also activate your Waxing and Waning to immediately use the power from a Lunar Phase that you are entering. So you, if you are currently Full Moon, you can choose to use the Full Moon effect, or as part of the bonus action to use the effect, you can instead change into another one and use that effect. So you're not limited to, I have to change, and the next turn I can use the ability. That's for free. Uh, The full moon. You radiate intense moonlight for a moment. Each creature of your choice within 30 feet of you must succeed on a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC or be blinded until the end of their next turn. In addition, one creature of your choice in that area regains 3d8 hit points. So you've got the healing and the bonuses. Yes. A flat a flash that makes every enemy around you less effective, basically. And You're a flashbang who throws a healing potion at someone. You're not, you're this this You're playing COD. It seems a bit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a bit out of place for this sorcerer motif so far, but I mean I'm never gonna be against random healing. Yeah. And so, it's not it's what, three D eight? Three D eight. So it's, it's not crazy. It'll get someone up that's Especially at that level, it's that's a oh shit, my friend's down. Get up. Get up. You're going to be giving... Everyone else is blind. Forgive it, like, a minute. And it gives, then you got to move. It gives you a chance to get someone up and get them the hell out of there. Exactly. Which is great. New Moon. You momentarily emanate an oppressive gloom. Each creature of your choice within 30 feet of you must succeed a dexterity saving throw against your spell save DC or take 3d10 necrotic and have their speed reduced to zero until the end of their next turn. In addition... You become invisible until the end of your next turn, or until you make an attack or cast a spell. I feel like this is of the three, this one is like the highlight. Because much like with the other one, how you are making them blinded and thus less effective, you are causing damage to a large swath of creatures, making them unable to move on their own, and in addition, getting a free cast of invisibility on yourself, at least until... The end of your For next one turn. round. Not even one round. It's like one round plus because it's the end of your next turn and not the start of sure. your turn. Mm-hmm. I'd like this one the most. 
with Full Moon being a very close second. I actually put Crescent Moon at the top. Personally. Ooh, speaking of. Crescent Moon, you slip through light and darkness. You can magically teleport to an unoccupied space you can see within 60 feet of yourself. In addition, you also gain resistance to all damage until the start of your next turn. Uh, before we continue, though, all of those features can be used once for free as a bonus action. Uh, you can do them again after finishing a long rest, or you can spend five sorcery points to use them again. I can see why you would like Crescent Moon quite a bit. <laughs> I think all three of these are quite good. I think yeah. they're good. I think the, the biggest part is that you can, when you go into it, you don't have to choose the one you're in. Yeah, you, just, yes. you can change that form. And I think I like Crescent Moon because I like the... I mean, you guys know me. You know, oh, I like the idea of like the shock trooper goes in, does something, gets out. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that like, okay, use my bonus action to teleport into the center of a giant group of enemies, throw down a high-level thunder step, and use a sorcery point to double the radius on it and jump out. So I'm hitting a giant group of people, taking as much of them out, and then jumping 90 feet away. Like, okay, bye, we're done here. This, that in combination with thunder step is a cool idea. Kind of, you kind of lose the effectiveness of the resistance to all damage uh, until the start of your next turn. The way I would probably do with that. Well, is well, it is until the start of your next turn, so you can when they the start targeting you. The is uh, it is sixty feet there and ninety feet with thunderstep, so I can jump sixty feet into the center of say the forward troops, and then ninety feet past them back toward where their generals or their other leaders may be. And then I'm right next to the leader with resistance to anything they can throw at me right now. Now, what I'm seeing is, because a point of, a point of clarity here on the rules, once you use one of the phase's bonus actions, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest, which to me implies that you could use each of them once before having to spend five sorcery points. Hmm. That, uh, that uh, definitely needs some rules. Some yeah, that would, would definitely need sense. clarification. If that is the case... I'm imagining what you were saying, Crescent Moon, you slip in, you grab someone that might be down or about to go down and thunderstep them out, which I believe you can take someone with you with thunderstep. Yes, you can take one creature with you. You damage a bunch of people, and then on your next turn, you can immediately go go do full moon, heal them, and if anything got near you, they're blinded. I mean, even if you have to spend the five sorcery points to do it a second time, that's... That's still... That'd be worth it for getting someone, getting in, getting someone out, and then going forward again. Yeah. As as a capstone feature for the sorcerer, it's not literally because it's not level twenty. Yeah. But as the the capstone feature of your subclass, this is really good. I think Very it much. definitely uh, leads to that fantasy of as a high level character, you're able to go in just yourself. Just if you need to, you can go in fuck shit up. Um, whether you get out or not, the fuck down. yeah. And even if Hopefully, you run away. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like there are a lot of other, uh, uh, you know, subclasses and and classes in general that that high level fantasy doesn't really come into effect. And I would think most of the other sorcerer subclasses don't give you that the same feel. I think this is actually really a really yeah, great high level set of abilities. Most of the su- the sorcerer subclasses to me are a little lacking toward later levels. Yeah. Like, the my favorite one is I love this one mainly because of the versatility aspect. Oh my like, gosh, absolutely! Divine Soul is still my favorite sorcerer subclass, but it's like you're kind of getting everything up front. This not really 
gaining as yeah. you go. You're just choosing more spells. This one, is, this subclass is one of the few subclasses in D and D where at every single level there 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 is no dud feature. Correct. Yeah. There is yeah. all of these features are phenomenal, and I would argue that this rivals the Divine Soul. I think this, if 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 this were to be if put on a tier list. If played correctly, this is an S tier subclass in my mind. This is awesome, and it's not overpowered awesome. Yeah, it's powerful, but not to the point of breaking the core design behind D and D. Ultimately, love this subclass. I, I would be I, with some rules clarifications of some weird interactions. I think this could be good, like as as written. Yeah, I'd say a lot of clarification. Uh... I'm sure with that clarification, the things like that lunar phenomenon would be you get yeah, one, one of them, and then, then you can use the sorcery points. Probably. Which, even that's pretty five, well balanced. Five sorcery points five for sorcery those effects. For multiple effects is all pretty bonus, worth it. All is a bonus action, which as a sorcerer, Plus, you don't have a lot to do with that. You have your regular spell slot that you can now dump because you get five free spells anyway. So you can dump one of those spells. Yeah. You can dump that one fifth level spell slot. And yeah. use it again. Yeah, yeah. It all, every, all the features synergize together really well and build off of each other. This is a great subclass. I always like to look and see, you know, which subclass did the writer really, really enjoy writing, and we can always identify the ones that is just like, nah, okay, we need the. This is one that somebody loved. This is Alder, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Next. Four elements. Uh, <sighs> we have four elements. That's so much. Potential. The ranger. The Ranger, generally. I like, I like the Hunter subclass for the Ranger. Hunter subclass? Hunter's about the only subclass I would ever want to play. I think there's, there's some, no, Zan- there's some Xanathar's ones that are good. Gloomstalker. Gloomstalker's good. Horizon Walker's good. Hunter, I think, is good. We were talking about the side note. We were talking about the Hunter or the Hunter Ranger last time we played, I think. And we and I, it kind of like came to the conclusion that the Hunter subclass could be broken up into the main Ranger class, and it would just kind of take it to the ranger being a little more of that fantasy ranger. Yeah. Yeah. The, a lot it didn't of that, need to be a subclass as it, much as it just needed to be there. It just needed to be the class. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, moving on. Moving we're, we're, on. Getting, we're getting sidetracked. To the backgrounds. There's two here. Uh, both of them are from the Dragonlance setting. We're not going to go too deep into these because, again, they are backgrounds. And the interesting part about them is the feet, yes. which we'll get to in the feet section. Uh, the Knight of Salamnia you are a warrior who's a knight of one of the kingdoms of Dragonlance. You get athletics, survival, musical instrument, language of your choice, insignia of rank, deck of cards, common clothes, pouch, blah, 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 ten gold pieces. The feature is the Squire of Salamnia, which gives you the feature Squire of Salamnia later in the document. You also get free or modest, you get free modest lodging and food at any fortress of the Knights of Salamnia or their encampments. It's... It's similar to the knights of or the soldier subclass yeah. from the PHP, but more direct, more specific, more specific, and they they give you some cues on how to incorporate this into a character and make it more part of the world of Dragonlance. It gives you a little D six trinket table, which, as we discussed, love a trinket. Trinkets table are great. Love a trinket table. Love a trinket. Love a trinket. Uh, next, you have better. the <laughs> next you have the mage of high sorcery. You gain your mage. Congratulations. Yeah. Good job. You yeah. did it. You yeah, got there. You can be you can be one of the orders, the order of the white robe, order of the red robe, order of the black uh, uh, dragonlancey stuff that we don't get. 
Uh, you get proficiency in Arcana and History. You get two languages of your choice. You get a bottle of colored ink, an ink pen, a set of common clothes, and a pouch containing ten gold pieces. The feat, Initiative High Sorcery. You gain the Initiative High Sorcery feat in the feat section. In addition, uh, the mages will provide you with free modest food or lodging at any of their tire towers of high sorcery for one night at the home. Or one night at the home of an organization member. And they also have some trinkets and some personality traits and how to incorporate it into the world and blah blah blah. All the all that stuff. Oh, that's fun stuff. They're they are they're their backgrounds. The more interesting part in the feet section. These are listed in alphabetical order, but we're going to go out of order here. There are there's a mechanic with these feats that ha- they have not done in D&D 5th edition yet, which is there are three feats that are base tier feats, and then, what is it, seven feats that you can take that you have to have one of the base tier feats Something to, to take from later. 3.5. Yes. Uh, the easiest one is uh, Divinely Favored and Divine Communication. Or, yeah. Yes. Divine Communications. Uh, Divinely Favored, you learn Thaumaturgy and one first level spell based on the alignment of your character as specified in the alignment spells table, which they get to later. You can cast one of the you can cast the chosen first level spell without a spell slot, and you can finish a long rest before you can do it again. You can also cast the spell using any spell slots you have. Your spell casting ability for this feat spell is Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma. You choose it when you take the feat. In addition, you can use a holy symbol as a spellcasting focus for any spell that you cast using that uses a spellcasting focus ability you choose when you select this feat. If you're evil, you can get a warlock or wizard spell. If you're good, you can get a cleric or wizard spell. If you're neutral, if you are neutral, you can get a druid or wizard spell. I wish they had a lawful and chaotic in there, personally, but... I mean, it is what it is. But the main part of that, you get, you get thaumaturgy and you get a first level spell mm-hmm. for free. A lesser magic initiate. But or a lesser touched, a lesser touched spell, shadow or fey touched. Yes, because yeah, those do second and first as opposed to first. Yes. Second. Now these feats are also implied that obviously you're getting there's not a there's not a background that is associated with divinely favored. If this book were to come out in the Dragonlance setting, I assume that one of those Probably backgrounds would exist. And these are implied that you get them at character creation and not as a variant human or yeah, an ASI. Yeah. So these are just kind of... probably take them later, but it would be very much a A drop-in useful, or it'd be a gifted feat from the DM, not a... Yeah. Now, the Divine Communications requires you to be fourth level, so you cannot take it at level one as a variant human if you get this from your back... if you get Divinely Favored from your background. Uh, You get an ability score increase of your choice... Uh, that is the same as the ability score that you selected f- when you got the divinely favored feat. So it would be wisdom, intelligence, or charisma. charisma. Uh, celestial tongues. You learn to speak, read, and write celestial in two other languages of your choice. You can also cast augury and commune without using a spell slot. You must finish one d four long rests before you can cast it again. In this way, you can also cast the spell using spell slots you have of the appropriate level. Your spell casting ability is the one chosen for the divinely favored feat. So these these pair of feats not super powerful. Very they're going to be very thematic for the world of Dragonlance. Uh, a free floating plus one on your first ASI and some free spells is nice. Yeah. yeah, an extra couple languages is fine. I think these are like the lesser. There's also less customizability yeah. than the other ones. But 
I also do find it interesting that you must complete 1d4 long rest before you can cast them for free again. I know, right? That's That seems a little arbitrary, but maybe, maybe there's a lore reason that we don't know, that we don't see here. Because um, we are decidedly... Say, normally it would just say something like 1d4 days. Yeah. In most books, so I'm confused to why it's 1d4 long rests. Why, why is it not just a long rest? That too. Like the like augury and commune. Augury not... is one that I could see it being just like finish a long rest. Commune could be a little trickier. I mean, if you're playing with it right. I mean, sneak peek, sneak peek here for our blood magic supplement that we'll be releasing in about a month. One of the subclasses is a sorcerer subclass, and you basically get to cast scrying for free once a day. And I think that's fine. And scrying is a lot more powerful than commune, I would think. You know dependent. I mean? dependent. 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 Th- I think it should just be an long rest. A singular long rest. And singular long rest. Moving on, though. Moving on. Initiate of High Sorcery. You get this from the Apprentice of High Sorcery background. You can choose one of the three moons of Kryn, each of which is dis- uh, associated with a distinct type of magic, the Black Moon. I'm not, uh, I'm not even going to try to fucking read these names. The Black Moon, the Red Moon, and the White Moon. Nuitari. I, I, I said I wasn't going to, but Nuitari. Lunatari. Lunatari. And Solinari. Solinari. You learn one cantrip and one first level spell based on the moon you have chosen as specified in the lunar spells table. You can cast the chosen first level spell without using a spell slot. You finish a long rest when you can do it again. You can cast it using spell slots, blah, blah, blah. And you, your spellcasting ability modifier is chosen when you take the feat, Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma. For Nuitari, you get... You can choose from Chill Touch, Mage Hand, and Vicious Mockery. And then for the first level spells, it can be any Evocation or Necromancy spell from the Wizard Spell List. For Lunatari, it, you can choose from Guidance, guidance Message, or Prestidigitation, and any first level Wizard spell from Divination or Transmutation. And for Solinari, you can choose Produce Flame, Resistance, and Spare the Dying. You can choose one of those. Or the, any first level Wizard spell from the Abjuration or Conjuration School of magic. This goes quite... Th- this. Synergy. 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 Lunar magic sorcerer is going to love this. Yeah? You're going to want this background as a, as a lunar magic sorcerer. Dragon knights. Dragons and moons. Yes. Uh, another... Uh, Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> another free floating first level spell that you can get once a day. I, th- I think Lunatari is the one that stands out here. Divination and Transmutation spells for first level are kind of mid-tier, but I getting... I either of the other two. Really? I think getting the can- getting Guidance Message or Prestidigitation as cantrips are... Especially if you, if you were supposedly this Lunar Magic Sorcerer from this being able to get Guidance, which is a spell that you wouldn't normally have on your list, and you're getting Sacred Flame, and then all of your normal Sorcerer cantrips. would already get more cantrips than a Wizard or a Warlock. Or I think any other spellcasting class. Like you can be a can oh. you can be a cantrip master with a lunar magic sorcerer with this background. See, I would probably personally go with Nutari, the uh which one was that? The Red Moon? Yeah. Black Moon. Uh yeah. Vicious Mockery, Mage Hand, Chill Touch, and Evocation. Or Vicious Mockery, which is a normal under spell list. Yep. And you can, if it succeeds, they have disadvantage on their next attack. Always a good thing to throw out yeah. at any point that you need to. And then I'm a big fan of, if you have any necromancy spell, a false first, life. False a free life. false life as a low-level sorcerer. Yeah. And then if I decide to later, cast at a higher level. 
I think any kind of free false life where you're going to get that, or anything that you're going to get those free extra hit points, yeah. especially at a low level, those would add up real quick. And I'll take Solari. <laughs> it be different. I think Solinari definitely has the better first level spell options. The abjuration or conjuration. I think that. Pretty fine familiar. I think Lunatari has better cantrip options, and I think Nuatari is kind of the middle ground between the two. I think they're all val- uh, viable choices. Yeah. Um, you can easily work with any of them. Now, you get three options. For feats that you can take later at level 4, you have to already have the Initiate of High Sorcery feats. These are associated with the three classes of High Sorcery in Dragonlance. They are Adept of the Black Robes, Adept of the Red Robes, and Adept of the White Robes. They are all fairly similar in their execution. Adept of the Red Robes, you have to be recognized by the Order of the Red Robes, blah, 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 blah. In Stifle Magic, you learn one second-level spell of your choice. It must be Divination or Transmutation. You can cast it once without a spell slot until you finish a long rest. You can use a spell slot to cast it later. The spellcasting ability is the same that you chose for the Initiative High Sorcery. We really need a way to shorten that. Yeah. Magical Balance. When you make an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, a roll and roll a 9 or lower on the d20, you can use your reaction to balance fate and treat the roll as a 10. You can use this reaction a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Divination wizard with this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Lucian would, not, Lucian would not mind that at all. <laughs> I mean... Because it uses the... Uses well, a, actually, it's a better version of the reliable talent ability of the rogue. Because yep. that automatically becomes a 9, not a 10. I think it... But the rogue also gets it every time they roll with one of those abilities. Yes, and this is proficiency bonus. This is limited to mi- by level four. That would be minimum three, mm-hmm. up to right. six. Two. You get three or five, three at level five. Yeah, so minimum two when you take it, and then later on three, four, five, and then six times a day. I mean, this is to just be like, eh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm good here. Yeah. Uh, next, the adept of white robes. Uh, same feature as before, second level spell of Conjuration or Abjuration, you can cast it once a day, regain on long rest, you can use your spell slots, same ability modifier, blah blah blah. Protective Ward, when you are a creature you can see within 30 feet of you takes damage, you can use your reaction to expend a spell slot and weave protective magic around the target. Roll a number of d4s equal to the level of the spell slot expended and reduce the damage the target takes by the total roll on those dice plus your spellcasting ability modifier. Yeah, so usually Over, at that point you, you're either going to have a plus-ish four probably. Yeah. Three, four. So a D4 plus four. Yeah, a D4 okay. per, per level of the spell slot that you choose to expend. Yeah. Uh, stepping on the toes a little bit of the Abjuration Wizard, but at the same I'll time... War. war Wizard. Or the War Wizard as well. But those, I believe, are only yourself. Yeah. They're this is this is yeah. actual companions. This, this is definitely more for the team player caster as opposed to the blaster caster, if you right. will. Yes. And finally, the adept of black robes. I did these slightly out of order. Yeah, you did, but that's fine. Yeah. Ambitious magic, which is evocation and necromancy, second level spell, regain on a short on a long rest, use it once per day for free. Blah, blah, blah. 
Just Ooh. take false life again at second level. <laughs> you have two free casts of false life. That's sure. a lot of free health as a sorcerer. You have to it has to be a second level spell of your choice. False life is a first level. Take false early life. Fall <laughs> Just a sidetrack a tiny bit with that, with what you said. Sure. How do you guys feel that works? Do you say that it has to be a spell of that level, or yes. would you say it can be a spell that has an upcast? I feel like the because design, I, the design of it is you're taking a spell of that level because different levels of spells have different kinds of power creeps with them and uh, different things that they are better at. Like, you get to a different tier of play when you gain access to a new level of spellcasting. That's kind of why I think it would... I personally prefer it to be, like, you can take a, any spell that would scale mm-hmm. strictly because it's like, okay, they're still having the same power scale, and you're not gaining anything actually much more than what you had. Yeah. So it would still be, okay, I just have this spell, it's just a higher level now. Mm-hmm. So it'd be, okay, I'm casting Magic Missile, I have the three, okay, now I get four. Yeah. It's not going to be that much of a chain, so it's 44, mm-hmm. or I can cast Acid Arrow, which is 44. Now, that that is true for a lot of cases, but there are outliers for that. I think generally, when you get to a higher level of spell... Most of the damage that you're like most of the damaging spells of the next higher level up are going to be doing more damage than a first level spell upcast or Correct. whatever. Which is why I kind of would say it's just if that's it's a what watch. you want to do, it's do a watch. it. But it's not going to be the most sure. practical. That's why I would say something like false life. You would you would be the one to take false life twice though. <laughs> I'm sorry, two free casts of false life. Absolutely, I will take extra hit points every chance I get. The the special ability that you get with this one, you can channel your life force into the power of your magic. When a creature you can see within 60 feet of you fails on a saving throw against a spell you cast, Sam, you can expend a number of hit dice equal to the level of the spell. You roll a number of hit dice equal to half the number of hit dice expended rounded up, and the damage the triggering creature takes increases by an amount equal to the total rolled of those dice. Sam, what have I been saying about the fucking hit dice? Yes, for those of you who are unaware, Connor is very into uh, using your hit dice more because they're an underutilized resource. They are very underutilized. Very, very underutilized. Our entire Blood Magic supplement is based on the idea that hit dice need to be more useful. And so Blood Magic fueled by hit dice. There you go. Look forward to that in the next month. I do find it... um... Oh, I, very, I think they maybe complicated it a little. But it's a bit clunky. It's a bit clunky that yeah. you expend a number of hit dice, you roll half of them. Yeah. I, I mean, you could have just said it's roll. It's got to be an even number. Or, yeah, well, uh, yeah, you round up. Um, but so, yeah, you expend four, you roll two. I, th- I, think, I think their point with that is when you get to a higher level that you're not expending 15 hit dice to deal 15d6 extra damage on someone. You just tapped it. Instead, I agree. They could cap it based on level. There, yeah, there are less clunky ways to do it. Yeah, um, it has to equal your proficiency modifier or proficiency. No more than I, yeah, exactly. That'd be a great one. That'd be a great way to That's do. That's how that. they've balanced a lot of those things. Yeah. it has to be your proficiency bonus. I I agree. I think it'd be a lot easier. You can expend a number of hit dice up to your proficiency bonus number of hit dice. Roll them, and then they take extra damage. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast, hire us. Hire us. Don't we'll, do that. We'll fix your writing. I'm fairly confident. I am Don't fairly confident 
that we have a feature that is basically exactly like this, but written better <laughs> in our supplement. <laughs> Which, not to toot our own horns, but... Honk honk. Honk honk indeed, sir. You're welcome for one of the spells. Uh, I like... Okay, so we'll... I we'll, died for it. Let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about this line of feats. Okay, yeah. The initiate of high sorcery I'm a big fan of, free spells, and then all of these adept of certain ones. More, more free spells. Uh... You're not getting a floating plus one with these. Right. Which is fair, because the features that they are giving you are really, really good. I would, I would say the white robes are probably the weakest with the protective ward, but the magical balance of just a flat ten and the, and the new use for your hit dice are both very, very good. And at fourth level, those can be very potent and will continue to be potent as time goes on. And I can see these being used for classes outside of direct spell, like half-casters oh, yeah. or quarter-casters even, making great use of these. Uh, one, for, to cut off the comments, it's one-third casters. Shut your face. We're aware. It mm-hmm. is one-third casters. He is, not a, he is not a mainstay on the show. Do not worry. Quarter-casters. <laughs> Get over it. Um, yeah, I see these. So, um, like you're saying, I like the, the, low, the, the uh, initiate, I think is good. These are still all of them. I would encourage my players not to take them at their ASI. Yeah. I would I would encourage I would I would honestly be straight up like if they're like, okay, I want to become an adept of the black robes, I'd be like, alright, um two weeks. Yeah, wait, you just get like it. I you're gonna this mission, once you finish it, you'll you'll, you'll get it. I'll give you something for it and you'll have that feat. You know just I, say you want it and we'll talk yeah. about how you're gonna get it. The design of these feet do I want to shove this for later? No I don't. <laughs> now, the design of this selection of feats, really, I like because it shows that Wizards of the Coast is moving in the direction of make feats more easy to just fucking deal out to people. Yeah. Feats yeah. are awesome. They are great. People love them. Taking them on and having to choose between a plus two on your ASI and taking a feat is really fucking sucks. And... I, being having to be a variant human to get a, a free feat when you create your character really fucking sucks. That's why, I mean, for the game that I run for you guys, it's level one, you start with a feat. Just pick one, roll with it from level one, and it's... There, I mean, are, there are a lot of tables that do that because they want feats more freely, and I think this is encouraging DMs to do that by creating feats that are tied to backgrounds... It's an easy way, like, it's an easy way to wrap your head if you're like, oh, I don't want to give an extra feed on top of everything. Like, no, the feed's just part of the background they take. And then it kind of, it, it gives you mechanically, like, you really should be fourth level before you get these upgrades to the feet. But at the same time, it's kind of implying that it's like when, when you are part of the high sorcery and as an initiate, and then you find which sect you want to go into and learn and study that, you can just get it. And those would easily be tied in going through, like, the old ones in PHP. You're yes. a soldier background. Okay, you get the Battlemaster feat. Or the feat that lets you do Martial Battlemaster adept. Yes. maneuvers. Martial Adept, or you get Great Weapon Master, yeah. or Crossbow Whatever one, or Dual yes. Wielder, or whichever one exactly. that fits what combat style that you would have gone into... Mm-hmm. Give that feat to that person. It's if they're playing an elder type, throw them warcaster. My phone's over there, so I can't add this to my notes app. We can't make a free supplement doing this for you because the only feat that is in the OGL is grappler. But make note that we make a YouTube video about this, <laughs> about the 
certain backgrounds in the PHB getting a first level feat from a certain list thing. And then we can make it available. Yeah, I've because it. because by we can't we can't put it on DMs Guild or Drive Through RPG because of the OGL, but Make a fucking YouTube video about yeah, it. Yeah, they can't Jesus. stop us. Can't stop us doing well, shit. They, they can, but they won't. They won't. Now we're promoting their product. Damn let's it. let's wrap this up. There's four more feats. First up, the Squire of Salamnia. You get by taking the Knight of Salamnia background. You gain proficiency with medium armor and martial weapons. You have advantage on saving throws made to avoid falling off of a mount. An encouraging rally, where when another creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes a saving throw, you can use your reaction to inspire them. If the target can hear you and understand you, it gains advantage on the saving throw. Once you use this reaction, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Mounted combat. <sighs> Mounted combat. I mean, they're knights. That makes right. sense. I have had one one-shot character I played that had a mounted combat, and it was a halfling cavalier that rode a mastiff. Yep, that was my first time. And took right the uh, <laughs> mounted combatant feet, so I could just ride the the dog into every combat. That's pretty sweet. It was the most ridiculous character I've ever played. Now, and that is saying a lot. It uh, thankfully they give you features that are going to be useful for any martial class, even if you're not using a mount. Uh, definitely, if you are the cavalier or a paladin that's using summon uh, one of the summon steed spells. Find great steed and find greater steed. Yep, those those will those will be very good for you. Now, the three knight feats that you can take at fourth level or higher are the knight of the crown, the knight of the rose, and the knight of the sword. The knight of the crown, you get an increase to strength or dexterity by one, your choice, up to a maximum of twenty. You also get tactical teamwork. When a creature you can see within thirty feet of you makes an attack roll against another creature that is within five feet of you. You can use your reaction to grant advantage on the attack roll. You can use this reaction a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. You regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. A free advantage yeah, for some for some allies. Proficiency bonus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Amount of times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's yeah. almost pack tactics, but a range, it's all it's a range pack tactics. Yes. Yeah. As long as you're next to the guy. Your as range is your next to the target. You can give it to If you're if you're the barbarian, if you're the fighter, if you're the paladin, if you're getting up and, and you're getting business done, your ranger's gonna like it. Your rogue is gonna like it. If they're using rogue's the bow and arrow, really gonna like it. Rogue's really gonna like oh, yeah. it. All around, just, plus that sneak attack yeah. automatic. Love it. Love now, the knight of the sword. When when you read the first one, you think, oh well, they're all going to get a plus one to strength or dex. No, you would be wrong. No, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. The Knight of the Sword. Knight of the Sword. You gain proficiency in intelligence, wisdom, or charisma saving throws. Your choice when you take the feat. You also gain willpower. Immediately after you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you fail in intelligence, wisdom, or charisma saving throw. You can, Sam, expend a hit die. The saving throw increases by an amount equal to a roll of that hit die, potentially turning a failure into a success. Once, once, you're t- once you turn a failed saving throw into a successful one using this feat, you cannot do so again until you finish a long rest. Again, that, we're using the hit die. Using the hit that die. is one that I would want to throw on every fighter, every barbarian, is I would go to the sword, give them that wisdom save. 
They need that was the you do not want your barbarian mind controlled. You yeah. do not want your fighter mind controlled. And the and, and even if you have the since I'm playing the uh, paladin, it's I have my charisma and wisdom saves. I'll still take in a good intelligence save in mm-hmm. case we come up against a mind flare or something along those lines. Now, in that example, say you are the fighter or the barbarian. This this feat specifies that you can take it when you or a creature within range fails to save. Yeah. If you're if you're a so fighter, you double that. If you are a fighter or a barbarian, that is a D10 or a D12. Yeah. Additional to your saving throw and you're getting proficiency in one of those types of saving throws as well. Anything that gives you a proficiency in a saving throw as a bonus to something, I'm almost always in for. Uh, is it reliable in the PHB that gives you proficiency in a saving throw of your choice? Plus Resilient. Resilient. Resilient, yes. Uh, this is... Very underpowered in that. This is what that feature should have Resilient. Resilient is good, I would say, for... For fighters, and that's about it. For fighters or spellcasters that take constitution to round it up, and they get proficiency for constitution okay. checks. I can, that's one of those that I would definitely say for trained feats or gifted feats. Mm-hmm. Give, that would be a trained or a gifted feat to me more for sure. than anything else. For sure. But that, 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 ability, that willpower ability is... Chonky, especially on the type of classes that are going to be taking these feats because of their background. They're going to have big hit die. They're going to be getting a lot of big bonuses thrown around, and it gives them a use of their for their hit die. This is great. I would like to point out the last sentence of there, uh, which is not something we see too often, and that's uh, what, only once you've turned a failed saving throw into a success can you not use this feature. It sucks to use a feature and just have it just fail. Still fail. Still fail. You're already have your level amount of times to attempt this. Yes. Exactly. This is... The only thing there would just be, okay, if you guys got to take a short rest, you better be careful that you saved some of those if you're in major combat. That's my only thing with not wanting to use (laughs) hit dice for a lot of things is I'm afraid, okay, we're in a big combat right now. We need to take a short rest before the next thing. I have two hit dice left and seven hit points. Oh, yeah. You gotta find that balance of where you're comfortable yeah. with it. If your party doesn't have a healer, mm-hmm. you gotta figure out where that balance is in. I, it gives a lot of great options, and I love it. The last one, Knight of the Rose. You get a plus one to either Constitution or Charisma. Interesting, to a maximum of twenty. And bolstering rally. When you roll initiative, you can choose up to three other creatures you can see within thirty of you. That's how it says. That's that's what it says. <laughs> thirty Within of you. Thirty of you. I assume they are meaning thirty feet. Well, I don't know because my character is, it just says thirty. My character is seven feet tall, so is it? Like, <laughs> do I get this whole length thirty times? Because exactly. then I can affect anyone. Exactly <laughs> ten feet. Yeah. I I'll take that range for initiative bumps. We'll say within thirty feet of you. Each creature can gain temporary hit points equal to a roll of your hit die plus your proficiency bonus plus the ability modifier of the ability score increased by this feat, so either constitution or charisma. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. I want that one. This this is kind of like um, Inspiring Leader. A little bit. Almost. It's a it's a it's a bit of a lesser inspiring leader that you take when you roll when you're rolling initiative, and not it, it sadly it's temporary. I'm a big fan of the roll initiative. Here's a bump to something. Yes, I'm a big fan of that. So. Uh, sadly, this won't stack with inspiring leader because they're both temporary, temporary hit points, yeah. and temporary hit point sources don't stack. 
But this, if you were thinking I might want to take inspiring leader, and you're using this background, you're lo- using this, like you can you just don't really get this. Need to. Yeah, you don't need to. Yeah, you especially get... being fourth level. Roll of your hit die, your proficiency bonus, and your ability modifier. You roll. You're rounding up a, a constitution or a charisma. Always a good time. Especially this one would be great for paladins. Great for a paladin. This would paladin over probably any of the other classes for this one specifically for that bump because mm-hmm. you're already gonna want that higher. You're not gonna have a super high charisma, but you're gonna have mm-hmm. that higher charisma bonus. Now you can use your Constitution modifier for the temporary hit points if you took Constitution. So a fighter and a barbarian still would be able to benefit from this a lot more than they would be able to benefit from inspiring leader. Correct. As well, I think all I think the. Salamnia Squire to the Knight feats are my favorite ones. Major bump from yeah the caster ones. These are the caster ones are good. The caster ones are kind of samey, and mm-hmm. they do get an, an interesting features for each that are powerful. I think these are going to fundamentally how you change how you play your martial class. Absolutely, which is gonna it's great. I love it. Yeah, this is one of my favorite UAs that has come out in quite a while. I would say. I mean, the Kender, eh, whatever. But the Kender is definitely a roleplay race more than it is anything else. Like it's that. very, very neat. Uh, but the the feats, the background options, and the Lunar Magic Sorcerer are all great. And I love that this, this is showing the direction that Wizards is taking. And it's kind of what a lot of D&D players are wanting. Of yeah, just, or just already doing it. Or already doing on their own. And I love that. And if this is the direction that they're heading, I'm very, very excited for an eventual 5.5. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? I, I would say, uh, yeah, no, uh, in, in a similar but kind of opposite vein when it goes towards the um, spellcaster feats, I just do hope that this isn't the only thing, thing type of thing we see from spellcaster feats. Not just not just more versions of Fey and Shadow Touched. Yeah, yeah. We we you know give the you know spells make casters very diverse, but still having to spend your spell slots to do all your neat things can get a little exhausting. Give them some other neat features. That's yeah. all I'm asking. That I and the, you do get a couple of them, but they're a bit underwhelmed. Some of them can be a bit underwhelming. Yeah. The the flat the flat ten when you fail a roll is cool. Being able to use hit dice to increase damage of a spell is cool. The temp HP. Temp uh, HP. It's all. It's all good. It's all good. And I do like that it's all free casts of the bonus. Everything in this UA compared to a lot of other ones, I I don't feel like there was anything bad in this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are a few of the UAs that you read that you're like, okay, that's bad. Who chose this? If I was in this world, why would I take that as my choice? Yeah. This one is one of the few that I'm like, there's... I would probably play something with everything in this. Yeah. At some point. For sure. Right now. Right now. Roll initiative. No, I got a thing to do. Um. (laughs) Now, last thing I'll say. The eventual Dragonlance campaign setting that's going to come with this. I wasn't really that hyped on getting it. But if this is the design philosophy that they're going for... I already am, I, my, my, as I've said on a previous podcast, my brother and father have been hounding me to read some of the Dragonlance books for my entire life. Fizbin's Treasury of Dragons has a lot of references to Dragonlance. 
this UA is clearly showing that they're going to make going? they're going to make a good. Dra- I think they're going to make a really good Dragonlance campaign setting. If you're into that, if you're into Dragonlance, this is going to be really good shit for you. And if you're not into Dragonlance, this is still going to be some really good shit for you. And I think it's going to be a great campaign setting. I have very high hopes, and I cannot wait for it to come out now. Darren, you've never listened to the podcast, so what's our last segment? Questions. Questions from the audience. Answers. Comments? No, we don't actually answer any of them. No, just just read read the questions. I know the two of you. We aren't answering anything. (laughs) We're just going to read them and stare at the screen for We take questions, comments, and concerns from the audience on the TikTok Live, on the TikTok Live, from the Twitterverse, and from the Discord. And if you mailed a letter to the moon. If you mailed a letter to the moon, it would take three to five weeks to get to us. Plus, we only record every two weeks. The the timing of it might not work out. You will read your question in two months, basically. Yes. Is what we're getting at. Now, Sam. Yes. Something great has happened. Yes, it did. We are 11 episodes in, and we say, ask us questions on the Discord, and guess what? Finally. Someone fucking asked a question on the Discord, man. I remember who it was. Is it it was. I do. It is DK Alexander. DK, DK Alexander. Shout outs to you. And this is a good and this is a good just all around question, and I think it's great because we got Darren here. That's a seven D- for. I know. Yeah, right? I was gonna say that's I know. no one said He gets words. he gets three answers. He gets three answers. This is from DK Alexander. He's still going through the backlog of podcasts. At this point, he's he's put in the Discord general chat that he has listened to all ten of the previous podcasts. Love love you, DK Alexander. Of course, of me, buddy. <laughs> by, by a lot. His question is: Have you talked about D and D or nerd origins for the three of us? We have not. We have not. Now, my origins for nerddom were: I was born. Yeah. Uh, I got I got very into Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh at a young age. The television programs on Cartoon Network. Four kids, I know. Heartbreak. Oh no, I'm just salty. My mom threw away all my Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <sighs> Same bro. It's, well, actually, I'm I had so to... salty about it. I know I had some in there that are worth bro. a couple hundred dollars each, and I was still. I've gone, I've, I've gone through my Yu-Gi-Oh card collection and my Pokemon card collection. I got a couple gems that are over twenty had, bucks, but nothing like massive. I had three special edition of Barrel Dragon. That's heartbreaking. They that was a painful day. So at a young age, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. When I got to about middle school, I started to get into Naruto and other animes. Uh, Currently, Sam and I are watching Attack on Titan for the first time. Mm -hmm. Well, I I got about halfway through season two when it came out, but we're now getting we're in season three. It's good. It's good shit. Highly recommend. By the time I get to high school. All of the, all of those, we're getting into. I'm a big Lord of the Rings nerd. I get into like some musical theater shit, and I first start to become aware of the Dungeons and Dragons. Now, what got me interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons is this lovely YouTube channel, um, Corridor Digital. They had a secondary channel for gaming content called Node where they did these really nice, well-made, like, 30-minute to one-hour videos of a single adventure for D&D. Yeah. And they had all this beautiful Dwarven Forge set up on a massive table. They would get their GoPros out, and they had, like, these wide fish angle, and they'd get right in there, and they'd add graphics. Like, I attack, and I dealt five damage. And then it would show close up the minis, and then, like, a little, like, blood slash, and a minus five HP. Like, it was, the production value of it was really, really high. 
videos didn't do well, so they stopped, stopped. pretty quick. They only made what ten? They, they made a cut. They, well, they had they had their Call of the Wild run. They had a Pokemon run. They had like a, a high school like party thing that was cool. They had a couple little one offs, but it was really like three or four main ones that they did. Uh, but now that now now oh not critical role now corridor digital is doing a new D and D show which has a much higher production value if you can even imagine that they're like three D scanning their environments and green screening themselves cosplaying as their characters after the game like it's interesting yeah they they have it on their corridor digital like premium website um, I haven't watched it but from what I've seen on YouTube it looks really cool that got me interested in D&D and then i found critical role by watching uh greg miller colin moriarty tim gettys and nick scarpino on the game over greggy podcast those are all from ign uh very big podcasters uh their home podcast the game over greggy podcast they had on critical role around the end of campaign one and before campaign two started and they had on travis and laura and sam and matt mercer and they ran over the course of the podcast, just like a one-shot thing. There was like nine players, or eight Jeez. players. Eight players. It is also the first time that the world ever encountered Jester Lavore. Laura Bailey first played Jester on that podcast. Um, that's, that is what made me aware of Critical Role. And then shortly after that, uh, Critical Role Campaign 2 started, and I got into that. And I was looking for people that wanted to play D&D and were able to play D&D. And when I graduated college, I found some friends that I could play D&D with. And then I found Sam, who plays D&D. And through Sam, I've met Darren. And those are my nerd and D&D origins. All right. Mine. Very similar in the beginning. Uh, Four kids, TV. Lots of Yu-Gi-Oh. Lots of Pokemon. Love Digimon. Oh, love Digimon. Love Digimon. Uh, my, my mother made me sell all my Pokemon Digimon Yu-Gi-Oh cards at a garage sale. Oh, fun. Oh, I don't think I had anything valuable. But it still sucks. That really sucks. Oh, yeah, it still hurts. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when I got into high school, um, my girlfriend, uh, my high school girlfriend, uh, the first, like, thing we did as, as a couple, like, for our dates would be to just watch all, uh, watch through, um, all of the Miyazaki films. Oh. That's good stuff. As long as you're skipping Grave of the Firefly, I don't feel like crying. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. It's it's a great movie, but I just don't want to cry. By the way, my favorite, Princess Mononoke. Big fan of that one. Love that one. But yeah. Uh, and then... Ooh, Howl's Moving Castle, very close. Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's That's really good. <laughs> um, but uh, my... Spirit of the Valley of the Wind? No. Really? Spirited Away. Spirited Away. Classic. We're getting sidetracked here. <laughs> but I said Miyazaki, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it happens. My neighbor Totoro. Oh. But yeah, uh, too. more of my or but my stuff more focused. I, I came in it through video games mostly. Like mm-hmm. I've owned a huge number of like Yu-Gi-Oh video games. And I love the Gears of War series oh. and Assassin's Creed. Um I, pl- I played a lot of Naruto fighting games and of course Kingdom Hearts. Those two love yeah. Kingdom Hearts. But uh, yeah, and then fast forward to college. <laughs> we fast forward to college I was home for winter break one year and our buddy Salem uh, was like hey another guy we know from high school is gonna wants to run some D&D for us I'm like I've never played I have no idea what's going on he's like that's okay I don't <laughs> welcome to D&D <laughs> that's how we introduce people welcome now to everyone's session <laughs> one and uh, and uh, the first 
Uh, the first game, which was supposed to be some sort of a some like early campaign, turned into a one shot because the DM disappeared into the world of Ohio State University. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but uh, uh, was a homebrewed, a highly homebrewed version of second edition of AD and D called Inclinations of the Flame Princess. Uh, I mean, don't sure. name, that is a really cool name, but um, right on. Right? Uh, it, it, it was, it's very, 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 very different than 3.5 or 5e. Um, yes. There's, there's a reason 5e is the most popular D&D by number of people playing. Anyway, uh, fast forward. Since that ended, I really, really still wanted to play this, so I kept bugging Salem, who was a creative writing college major, and being like, hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like, hey. You should DM. You should run the That's game because right. you're creative. He never wanted to do it. Um, so eventually, I was like, "Fine, I'll do it." I looked up how to DM D and D, and I found Matt Colville. Ah, the illustrious Matt. The Colville. illustrious Matt Colville, uh, creator of the company MCDM. Um, I love. I've, I've kickstarted. Been on the Kickstarter of both their books. I've watched so much. He has a running the game series that is fantastic. A lot of my game creation theory comes from him and his YouTube channel. Um, eventually, uh, you know, campaigns came and campaigns went. I've DM'd for far longer than I've been a player. And uh, now, as a 27-year-old man, uh, I have a lot of D&D in my life, and it's great. It is great. Uh, I will say I learned how to play D&D from a wonderful YouTube channel called Don't Stop Talking. Uh, it's this guy, he does a lot of uh, somewhat crude animation, but the quality of the content and the explanation of how to play, like how to create a character, how to what is, what is an attack role, what is a saving throw, how does that work, and showing examples um, really helped me learn how to play. And Darren? What about you? Uh, pretty much the same start, but just going a little later, so it was more video games until early 20s. Uh, I mean, we're all still gamers here. I was gonna, yeah, but it's never really played anything tabletop until I think I was 22, 21, 22. Uh, and my first game was I got a call from my friend, and he literally just said, Hey, someone dropped out, come to this address. It's like, I <laughs> don't think I trust this, but okay, here we go. Might as well. So I went with Justin okay. to my first session, which was a four-part homebrewed game, and they dropped me into section four as a <laughs> eighth-level rogue in 3.5, <laughs> which I'm not sure... I know you, neither of you have played 3.5, right? It's very easy to create a character from what I hear. Uh, that's something. <laughs> and the person who created that character could not write to save their life. I could not read a single thing on that page, so I literally just looked at the DM and said things and hoped it was right. Because it would be, okay, I roll. That looks like a 7? So, I guess it's a 15, I think? I don't, I'm not really sure what happens. <laughs> uh, we accidentally created flashbangs because me and one of the other guys were fucking around. Jenkins. Yeah. Shocker. Uh, Jenkins was playing a barbarian who was best friends with this rogue before I showed up. So we had gotten orbs that created light. They were just orbs that were torches. And everyone else was trying to make a plan and not really wanting to talk through things. So him and I were just like, we're going to see how long this hallway is. And I hand him one of the orbs and say, throw it. 
He does so, and it's, okay, make a constitution saving throw. Or at that point, it was a fortitude save. Yeah. We both failed. Okay, you're blinded for a minute. Both of us in character, blinded, turn and look at each other. We have a whole box of flashbangs sitting <laughs> over there. And the DM just looks at us, wait, no. It's like, no, you made the precedent. This is a thing you set the precedent, for sure. So they... After that one shot, I got invited to join that game. We played a f- about... I think we hit level 12 before we stopped playing at 3.5 and went to 5e before I left that group. Yeah. Uh, but the characters that I had in 3.5 were just... Re- the numbers you get in 3.5 are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Which is why there are some things about it I prefer, but for the most part, I like three point, er, like 5e better. Mm-hmm. But it's like... I think the character I had at the end, I had a plus 26 to any animal handling check. If you are a min-maxer, shout out to the min-max munchkin on YouTube. 3.5 is your shit. Oh, it's great. I was going to say, 3.5 I've heard described as the uh, the addition of, oh, that hit? Wait, I have more modifiers to my defense. Or, oh, that missed? Hold on, I have more modifiers to my attack. <laughs> it's, I... I think I have a picture of my character sheet somewhere. I will post in the Discord if I can find it. <sighs> He'll uh, post in the Discord. Uh, Join the Discord. Yeah. I think at the end, I had three separate boxes for attacks because it was a two-up and fighting ranger when two-up and fighting was better. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you gained the modifier, plus, er, and then lost a number from that, then added your strength, then added your proficiencies... Because it was your level to attack minus the dual wielding modifier, which based on the weapon was either a minus two or a minus four, plus your strength, plus this other number. Sure. So my full round attack, which means I could do every attack in my arsenal, was like, ah, you have a plus 16, plus 14, plus 8, plus 9, plus 7, plus 3 to do one round of full attacks. Which means you're not moving anywhere, you are just attacking. Well then. Sam. Yes. Do we have any comments in the uh, in the TikTok live? We do. Oh my god. Alright, fir- first off we have Shh Yawn. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Appropriate. Uh Sean asks Sean. Where are they located? I assume you mean us. Earth. Correct. We are we are in the greater Cincinnati area. Cincinnati, Ohio. Currently in Kentucky, but the greater Cincinnati area. Next we have Edward the Slayer. Edward the Slayer says, hi. Hello, Edward the Slayer. Hi, Edward. You're not there. You're you're probably not still here. Probably not. That was pretty early on. And now we have quite a few. Quite a few uh, uh, from My My Muck. My My Muck. I will try to get them all. Uh, It seems My My Muck is asking our advice and has a little background. So My My Muck says... My group is a little annoyed by my character. I need to get one of them to become loyal to me. Help! A over-the-top behaving halfling, but loyal and true and brave. The others, elf druid, dwarf monch. Do love a good dwarf monch. <laughs> uh, half-elf warlock. All pretty serious. Never taking my always right halfling serious because she's often childish. Um... So, great way to get other players and characters to like your player character. You got, you got, you got to let your character kind of drop the facade for a bit, 
have have a nice role play moment. Maybe some maybe some upset maybe maybe some like deep opening up about their past and their backstory. Find where the character would be at that serious point because as we all know, we all have what we'll say and do every day all the time. But we all have that one point where it just drops, and this is the line. This yeah. is the bottom line. The end. Find that point. Find a way to bring it into that storyline so they know. Hey, maybe this maybe, is the problem. Maybe the reason your halfling is uh, acting a bit childish is as a defense mechanism for some trauma that may have happened in their backstory, and trying to open up about that could put it in a different light for your fellow party members. Uh, my my muck uh, made an update. It's not a dwarf monch. It's a dwarf monk. Dwarf that's monk. Less, that's less fun. I like. I prefer monch. Um. I'm going to give the opposite Munch advice. sounds like they bite people instead of punch them. <laughs> I'm going to actually give some uh, uh, some opposite direction advice to you two. Uh, you two. You two. The two of you. Um, talk to them out of game. That is all. Yeah. Be like, hey. Yeah. Uh, you know, go to any, go to one of them. Go to all of them. Go to your DM and be like, hey. Um, I, you know, I want to be a contributing mem- member of this group. I want to be... You know, I, I'm I'm playing a more child. I'm playing the character I want to play, and I but I don't want to be you know just ignored at every point. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're playing a childish character doesn't mean that, like you said, they they are often right, always right, always is a strong word. Only Sith work in absolutes. Um, but yeah, as a Jedi said it, da 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 Um, yeah, that's it. We. We've brought this up when uh, when when people talk about issues they're having at their table of like big issues of somebody's being you know a jerk to the rest of the group or somebody's yeah. being a disruptive at the table. Being this communication with your table, communication outside of game in real life helps solve a lot of problems. All right. All right. Anything else? Yes. One more from B four R T underscore one one seven. Um, I'm going to assume it's Bart. Bort, 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 Bort. Yeah. One one seven. How did you guys meet? Generally, nerds are hard to meet because we're all introverts. Crying, mm. laughing face. Well, they were roommates. And they were and roommates. He was my bartender. And they were roommates. That's really. I met him on a disaster well, there's, there's bar a crawl, and that's about all we got. So I am the link here. I am the common link, actually. Because we. Oh, you're common, all right. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Connor and I met. For dance, yes. Uh, there's a local swing dance group that we that uh, I was going to for about a year and a half, and then you joined one of your friends for a birthday party there. Yes. Um, and we got to talking through a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and over and over several weeks of slowly being like, oh, I know who you are. And at some point, someone brought up D and D. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. was like a oh. It was all downhill from there. <laughs> And now here we are, years later, living together, talking about D and D, starting a business. Apparently, and then like Darren, as all as all male friends must do, start a business together. And then like Darren mentioned, um, he and I met on a bar crawl, where uh, we kind of talked about this. Yeah, I was going to say it's how a podcast. The uh, girl that we both dated, yeah, had a mental <laughs> breakdown in the middle of it, and so yeah. we ended up sitting in a loud nightclub, 
holding on to beers, just being like, I guess this is what's happening now. It's They just kind of got up and walked away without saying a word after we came back with drinks. So we just sat down and like, are we holding the table? Are we supposed to follow them? Like, what are we doing here? But yeah, I was bartending at the time. So a couple, like, a couple days later, he comes into the bar and he's like, I'm meeting people here later. I'm like, cool, here's a beer. And then, like... As a bartender often does. And I think you, like, went up to meet with your friends and came down, like, an hour later, like, ah, I'm done with them. I'm like, cool, I'm getting off. You want to go hang out somewhere? <laughs> I think that is how... That, that was actually with that first D&D group. Oh, right. That there was a go. meeting with that first D&D group for one of their birthdays. And I think I was just like, yeah, I, I'm i done hang- handling whatever that is. Yeah. I'm a go. Yeah. And then, uh, we... Then at the beginning, or uh, end of last year... Was it the end of last year we started our campaign? Or was it the beginning of last year? Beginning Toward of last the year. beginning of Towards the beginning of 2021, we were all sick and tired of COVID, and it was lightening up, and we're like, you know what, we've, we're all fine to meet in person, we were already living together. Yeah. And you literally, you, you, we were talking to your girlfriend, and you looked at me, and we were talking about TNT, and you looked at me like, man, I wish somebody would, you know, start a campaign and said I could be in, and I was like, okay, make a character. And I immediately text him. I was like, okay. 30 minutes. It was like I mean, same day. Yeah. Like, 30 minutes like, later, my divination was planning, built. Are we playing a game or not? It's like, I mean, I can write something. I, mean, <laughs> I can get something together. I got a couple characters in mind. And then that character and then he died. <laughs> and gave you your best spell. Thank you. The spell was going to be made. I just named it after him. Exactly. So and, he's not, and it's not mine. And you used my blood. Garen's Gigawatt Blade is not my best spell. You also named the group after Garen. Hip. Did I? Yeah. Yavrim Wilds. Oh, fuck. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about Which that. Which is going to be real interesting since they're still alive on the other side of the ocean. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> uh, my so best they're going to th- show up and be like, what the fuck is this? Uh, my best spell is Hypnotic Pattern. Followed closely by Lightning Bolt. Disagree. Anyway, we have one more comment. Uh, my my Muck has jumped back into our chat and said, "By the way, Monch uh, uh, is the German word for monk." There you go. There oh. happened my oh. mistake. Full circle. See, actually, I think that is uh, very cool. That's right. That cool. is very cool. We appreciate you teaching us something today. Yes. We will forget within the hour. Within the mi- within the within the ten minutes. I don't. I, just, I will. I will internalize this because it's it's a fun word to say. Very good. Now, that is it for episode 11. That is it for episode 11. Of the Dungeon Bros podcast. You can probably know us from the TikTok. We have almost 16,000 followers at this point. We might have more than that by the time this posts. You can follow us there. Uh, In the link tree of that bio, as well as all of our other bios. If you are listening on a podcast service of your choice, I'm sorry. There are no links. We cannot do that. Go to one of our other socials we're about to mention. Yes. And go to the link there. Yes. You can follow us. You can subscribe to us on the YouTubes, Dungeon Bros YT. We're starting to make some new YouTube-exclusive content of our very own, including shorts. Yes. We have some shorts that are exclusive to the YouTube right now. Uh, you can follow us again on the TikTok, where almost 16,000 of you already do. We appreciate you very much. You can follow us on Twitter, at Dungeon Bros YT. You can join the Discord, a link an invite link is in the link tree in the bio of pretty much all of our social medias. You can also get our free monthly homebrew on Drive-Thru RPG. It is pay what you want. Nobody has paid for it yet, although if you wanted to, to support us, we would we, we would give you big kiss, big virtual kiss. Otherwise, take it for free. That's, take, that's kind of the, the point. point. Yeah, we want it to be out there for free. And next month, in, in May, May, beginning of May, we are going to be releasing... A blood magic supplement for D&D. So far, our rough draft has it at about, like, 
26 to 30 pages of actual content. Yep. There's going to be spells, feats, subclasses, lore, blood magic items, magic items blood, uh, uh, some interesting characters. We're going to have a bestiary. It's going to have a new system for blood rituals and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, we're very, very excited. We will be charging for that one. It will be $4.99 on DriveThruRPG. Uh, we will be sending out a lot of free complimentary copies. We will post a video on TikTok. And we'll select some commenters there, uh, the details of how to do that. But we're going to be giving out at least three copies to any member of our Discord that isn't a personal friend of ours, because they will be getting them already. You're welcome, Darren. He's also going to edit. So He's also going to edit. I'm kind of involved in this. So. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be giving three complimentary copies away to members of our Discord server that we do not know. Uh we will announce that on our socials and the date for entry into our Discord server to receive one of those complimentary copies will be determined at a later date. Yep. And we will also be trying to send out as many free complimentary copies to other D&D content creators on YouTube and TikTok. If you have any of your favorites, please let us know and we will add them to the list of people that will get it for free. We are very, very excited. We want to give as many copies away as possible. But at the same time, we want to, we want to pay for our time a little bit. We're, we're, we're requisitioning some art that we would like to, if we could break even on paying the artists for the art, then I consider that a successful release. That'd be a win. That'd the be a win big in win. our book. Big win. Big win. You will you will know all the details of that when we are about to launch in May. Yeah. Is there anything else, gentlemen? Eat your vegetables. Specifically, green beans. No, don't no, eat green dude, beans. No, not those. Green beans. Those no. are the ones <laughs> I'm not saying to eat. Like. Love a green bean. I hate a green bean. Love a peach. Green bean is my number one food that I hate most in this world. Love Followed a... by coconut and curly leaf parsley. I, I love, I like all of those things. <laughs> Flat leaf parsley, I'm fine. Sure. Uh, love, love, a, love a pea. Pea is fine. Love, love the broccoli and the cauliflower. Holy some broccoli. Love As someone who hates, hates eating greens, I was just saying that. This did not mean to become a tan. Love, love a spinach. Not a fan of a carrot. You're not a fan of carrot. I'm not a fan of the carrot. The cucumber. Oh, the cucumber? The cucumber. I enjoy a pickle, which is a cucumber that's been put in vinegar. I prefer, for a while. I prefer the pickle. Especially if you fry it in oil with some fried pickles. Fried pickles? Absolutely. Fried pickles. I might go get some fried pickles. If you wanna if you wanna get in your piece out, you should do it quickly because you might have already tried off. It means my piece out. <laughs>